0: Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Steven Holder here with Zach Kiefer, ready for another episode of 1% Better. It's the wrap-up to week two, I guess. Colts now 1-1. One one. They got a win, finally, down in Tennessee, nineteen seventeen against the Titans. Uh, Zach, that was a tough one. That was, that was some old-school football. Uh, was that kind of the game you expected and... Just uh, what would that feel like? I mean, all kinds of ups and downs. Uh, just wrap the game right. up for us real quick.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, my my initial takeaway was I was really freaking impressed with that win. I'll just be completely honest. And even taking my reporter hat off for a minute, I thought that was one of the more impressive wins I've seen from this team in a while. There's so many factors that go into that. Um, they tried to lose it a couple times and they had some really bad lulls in the middle of the game. And they had some turnovers, and Jacoby Brissett made some big mistakes. Um, but they showed this sort of resolve at the end of the game that they're going to need the rest of the way. And I, I just was really, really impressed with the defense—the way they just, they just won the game down the stretch by holding the Titans out of the end zone and keeping them off the field goal. You know, because I mean, they they, they tried to lose this game with all these missed kicks. And and the defense wouldn't let them lose. And that was really impressive. And I thought your story hit on that. Like, look, this is how we're going to have to win some of these moving forward. And they proved that on Sunday. Um, I walked away from Nissan Stadium Sunday night really impressed with the Indianapolis Colts. What did you take away?
0: Yeah, I thought exactly that. I think that was emblematic of what this team will have to do this season. I'm not saying they'll all be that sort of um, gutter type of football. (laughs) I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean that was like a street fight. And I'm not saying every game's going to be that way, but there may be some. Uh, They're a little bit of a different team. They're a team that's built a little more on defense now. They're a team that obviously lost its franchise quarterback. They're running the ball more forcefully and with more dedication. So this is what you get. There's a little different recipe now in terms of what they're putting out there and i think that's what it's gonna kind of turn out to be when you put the put the cake in the oven it's, it's gonna look a little different now but that's okay i mean i don't necessarily think that's good or bad i just think it's their reality and uh look we've said for a while now for the last several weeks okay there's lots of ways to win and i thought this was a real example of that i also thought that this game for me reminded me that the the Titans are are legitimate I mean that defense I was really impressed with them that defense is real yeah that defense is for real and And you talked
1: to some players on the Colts offense and they said the same thing right I mean
0: absolutely yeah and I I think look Marcus Mariota is what he is but and and there's nothing they can do about that but their defense is going to give them a chance to win and I think the Colts walked away from that game feeling really fortunate to have won because they know what they were up against but Let's let's turn the page a little bit because there is really just one storyline coming out of this game. Once the result yeah. was determined, there really is just one story coming out of this game and or one story that's overshadowing the other stories. And it's the fate, whatever that may be, of kicker Adam Vinatieri. And this has just right. been a, a dominant story for the most part here for the first couple of weeks. And I've never seen anything like it. Zach, I mean, (laughs) a Hall of Fame kicker one day uh, has just completely fallen apart. And as you said in your story, this is Tiger Woods missing four-foot putts. I mean, even I can make a four-foot putt, and Zach has seen me golf, so he knows Hmm. the context there. So I don't know where he's at mentally or how he's going to push through this, but here's what we do know. He missed two extra points on Sunday after missing one, or excuse me, after missing two of his three field goal attempts in week 1 and the Colts are backing him forcefully. Frank Reich was on his conference call today, Monday afternoon, and he said Adam is our kicker. He met with him today. He had he did not waver one iota. And so I just think that there at least from the Colts' standpoint, there's no There's no wavering here. This is definitive. Uh, What were your takeaways from that conversation? You were on that call today. Uh, Were you surprised? or Whether you were or were not,
1: what now? The Colts better be right. Hmm. They damn well better be right about this. Because if you keep putting your team in these crappy situations where – I mean, the Titans get in the field goal range yesterday. They kick a field goal. They win because of the missed extra points, right? If you keep pigeonholing your team and handicapping your offense because they can't – or handicapping your defense because you can't finish these easy extra points, that's going to come back to bite you. It's going to look really, really bad because a coach, that's his number one job, right? Give your team the best chance to win. They are all in. And and look, I mean, everybody wants a boss like Frank Reich that's going to defend you like this, right? I mean, (laughs) this is word for word what he said today. I know there's been a lot of discussion about Adam. I just want to make this clear. Adam is our kicker. Like I said yesterday, I have zero concern. He is not only our kicker, he's an instrumental leader on this team. When we talk about toughness and what we're all about as a team and a program, there's probably no one who epitomizes that more than Adam. The problem is Adam's job is to make field goals, and he's missed five kicks. Excuse me. He's missed eight kicks in his last five games, and five of those are extra points. Five extra points. In his last five games, that's inexcusable. If his name wasn't Vinatieri, if it was Walker or if it was Smith or it was something else, he would be on the street. He would be cut. That's just the reality of this league. Cut, kickers have been cut for much less. Um, there's probably not a physical thing here. I mean, we've dug into this, we've asked Adam several times. It seems to be more of a mental thing. Maybe that's something he can snap out of, maybe not. Maybe the home cooking he can get at Lucas Oil Stadium, a familiar place where he's kicked for 14 years. Well, not 14 years, but, you know, 12. Will be enough to get him set straight moving forward. But all I can say after talking to Frank Wright today was the Colts better be right about this. Because if this goes south on Sunday against the Falcons and he misses a couple kicks and they lose a game because of those kicks, This is on the Colts. This isn't even on Adam Vinatieri at that point. This is on the Colts. Um, And you can't afford that. No NFL team can afford that, especially one that loses their star quarterback two weeks before the season opens.
0: Well, that was the point I made in my column, which is that I think that you talk about a boss backing you. This is really (laughs) the organization, frankly. I mean, this is from Jim Irsay, the owner, on down. Jim Irsay General Manager Chris Ballard and coach Frank Reich they are putting their reputations on the line here. I'm not saying that this is going to determine like their legacies. I mean I don't want to overstate this. I mean, it's a kicker, but at the same time, uh they they know what's at stake here and they're asking their fans, they're asking their players in that locker room to to go along with this and to say, "Hey, uh, trust us on this. We we're backing this guy. We think this is the right move. And if it doesn't pan out, you talk about them having to be right. If it doesn't pan out, it's not just that they were wrong. Because look, I mean, teams miscalculate all the time, right? They draft the wrong players. They, yeah, yeah, they make any, bad decisions. But this one any is different. Joe
1: Schmo off the street can <laughs> say you got to make a move. You know what I mean? Like that's this is why different. this is so risky because this it's so obvious that he's in a funk right now. Yeah, and so... Like you said I, I, earlier, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we were sitting in the press box Sunday, and we turned to each other. We didn't even have words. We were just both so stunned when he speechless. missed the, the second one. Speechless. Yeah. And and that,
0: and that's just it. I mean, look, they have... Uh, they, they, they're making a decision here, and their decision is that we're doubling down on everything we've said about, about Adam Vinatieri when... It, Despite doing that, there's been no evidence that
1: they're right. <laughs> that's the thing. There, yeah. There's no. He did th- make one. He did make one. He made on one. Sunday. All right, progress. But, but but what do you make of this? So even even further than we're backing him, even further than that, Frank Reich today says, "I was hoping the game would come down to a 60-yard field. <laughs> I'm hoping that's going to happen one of these days, and he's the guy. There's nobody else I trust more than I would trust with Adam Vinatieri." doesn't mean he's going to make every kick. I mean, shoot, he's human. But the greatest players in every position still make mistakes, still throw interceptions. We're all human. But no one I trust more than Adam and Terry. Do you believe that? I have a hard time believing that. And,
0: and so let's give the background there, okay? How did, how did that statement come about? Well, I asked him, so, Frank, look, I mean, <laughs> you've played a couple of close games already. There's going to come a time when you have to make a critical late-game decision and we know right. they have some fourth down. So they have had some fourth down situations over the last year plus. Okay, uh, we don't have to run through them, but if you've watched the Colts, you're well aware of this. So, if there's a fourth down situation, Frank, okay, and you have to make a decision: go for it, kick a field goal. Can you tell us that what you've seen so far from Adam Vinatieri does not impact your thinking, your decision making? And his answer was, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> and I'm sorry. I don't believe that. (laughs) I don't believe that. I just don't. I mean, Frank Reich is a guy who considers everything, all available evidence, and there's no way you can say, uh, all right, if you're if you're a baseball manager and your starting pitcher is struggling, you got to go to your bullpen. Well, you're not going to go to the guy who's who can't gets anybody out and who's been in a huge right. slump, that's not your closer. Right. Your closer is your guy who's like, alright, this guy has a consistent fastball. I know he can strike out the side. I know he can get us this win. That's got to be your closer, right? And so to, to use that analogy, to apply it here, I, I mean, how can it
1: how can it not enter your thinking? I, I don't believe him. But, you know, to counter that, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is Frank Reich we're talking about. And I don't know if I've ever covered a coach who believes in his guys more And that is epitomized by him going for it from his own 35 with, you know, two and a half to go yesterday, Um, going for it on fourth and inches after a timeout. I mean, he's just literally saying, I believe in my guys, period. I didn't think about the alternative. Um, This is a different situation with a kick, and you got to be a little bit more strategic, but he believes in his guys. He believes that Jacoby Brissett was going to get that fourth down. He believes Adam Vinatieri is going to make every kick every time he goes out there. And to a fault... That's how he coaches. Um, now, maybe that does come back to bite him this week. We'll see. Um, but you got to admire that to some degree. Is it reckless? Yeah, it might be. It might be in this kicking situation because <laughs> this is absolutely bonkers. But the man backs his guys. If you are one of Frank Reich's guys, if you're on that team, he's behind you. Yeah, I,
0: I don't know. We'll see. I, I will say this: you you are onto something there. I think it's it's consistent with what. The Colts do, right? I mean, they uh, they don't make rash decisions. They don't overreact. They're very much um, like you know unemotional about things, and you know. So in that regard, this is this is in keeping with the way they handle their business. I mean, let's go back to some of the worst things that have happened, right, in the past. Year plus two years. I mean, Josh McDaniels bailing on them, you know, to be their coach at the eleventh hour. Literally, (laughs) when he's getting on a about to get on a plane to go do a press conference here in Indianapolis, he decides. Yeah, you know what? He had his suit picked out. Right. I mean, that's (laughs) that's pretty close to to going through with it. Okay, so what happens the next day? uh, The Colts are just you know stiff upper lip. Here's Chris Ballard saying, you know what. Uh, we're not going to flinch and the
1: rivalry is back the thing. on. <laughs> this isn't just like something that popped up in week one of the 2019 season. He was disastrous in Kansas City. He missed an extra point, missed a 29, 23 yard field goal chip shot. Um, and even going back to the game in week 17 last year in Tennessee, he missed another extra point. That, that's the fifth extra point in the last five games. So in the last four outdoor games, He's been abysmal. So, it's it, you know, this was still a decision they had to make in the offseason. And remember, Chris Ballard yeah. never flinched, like you said. He said, I still think he could be an elite kicker in this league. We're going to bring him back. It was a no-stressed contract negotiation. I talked to Adam Venturi as soon as he signed, and he was like, look. They reached out. They said, we want to sign you. His agent said, when can we do it? And they said, come in Friday. They did it in one day. It was easy. Um, but don't act like the writing wasn't on the wall, at least a little bit, at the end of last season. He had a good year last year, a really good year. he had a really bad finish. And he's still stuck in that rut right now. And he's going to have to get out of that fast because never in my career will they be more focused on the kicking game than Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons.
0: Yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about last year – You know, because I remember writing about that situation when the season ended and, you know, they were noncommittal, at least publicly, about whether they were going to re-sign Adam Vinatieri. And I think we all thought it would happen, but there was still some doubt about that. And I remember writing a a story saying, you know what, just, they shouldn't overthink this. Just do it. They got enough problems, you know, don't create another problem. And I don't regret doing that, but, but because what I would say is, I think if you looked at the totality of last season, you had to feel pretty good about Anventer. Oh, he right? was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I yeah, think race in Kansas City,
1: he had a great year.
0: Yeah, and I think if you uh, look, he wasn't the best kicker in the NFL, and and maybe he isn't ninety uh, percent kicker these days. But certainly, he's he's going to give you mid eighties in terms of percentage, and he's going to be consistently good. You know, from the longish kicks. You know, he, yeah. can, he can still hit the long ones, or has been, at least in, in recent years. And he never misses years. in
1: crunch time. He's never missed a big kick. I mean, going that's back to everything. like... That's I can, everything. I can go back to the San Diego game in 07. He missed a game winner. But that's the only one that comes to mind. And so, in like Reich is saying, when push comes to shove, you would like having that guy in your corner. And so, I get that. I get that they brought him back. But they better be right. <laughs> Just keep going back to that. They better be right because... This team's played really well, and they could be two and zero right now if not for some missed kicks. And, and that would that would be one of the biggest storylines in the NFL. If this Indianapolis Colts team had bounced back from Andrew Luck's retirement, gone on the road, and beaten two really good teams, and they are a couple missed kicks away from doing that.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be it would be a heck of a thing. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I would say beyond Vinatieri, uh, I, I do think that. That they're a team that that's going to be relevant this year, and I, and I think that's that's actually related to the Vinatieri issue, though, because I think they're a team that's going to be in games, like, they're, and and they're going to be close, yeah. and they're going to be, you know, they got some good they got some good competition on the schedule. There's going to be some games there where I think they're going to need their kicker to play a very important role. So I, I do hope this this pans out well. I mean, we all like Evan Vinatieri. Uh, no one, whether you Uh, are a neutral observer like us, you know, just kind of documenting what's happening, or you're a a fan that's fully emotionally invested. Look, no one likes seeing a great player kind of go through this. I mean, it's listen, it was not fun for me yesterday to have to basically confront Adam Vinatieri as he's leaving the locker room. Okay, so And you were there, Zach, you know, I I know you had an interaction with him briefly that didn't get you anywhere. And then me not knowing that had happened uh, just a couple moments later, I crossed paths with him, myself and another reporter. And, you know, we confront him like, hey, uh, you know, can we talk to you? And he had this look on his face like, like. This is not the time, guys, and yeah. and and I I wasn't mad about that, but you got to do your job. You gotta you gotta at least seek him out. And he said, you know, look, um, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I said, well, you know, there's no there's no locker room access for reporters tomorrow, so I don't know what you're talking about. He said, we won't see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you will. And that's how the the retirement speculation began. Um, I, I really believe that. I think I might have said this earlier. I'll repeat it again, but I, I do believe that. Uh, that was an emotional thing for him, and, and maybe he, he he spoke prematurely.
1: I, I have to think that's what happened there. Uh, he, was, he was pissed off, I yeah, mean, understandably yeah. so. Yeah. And the other thing is here, though, that – and I wrote this in my story last night. This guy knows the drill as much as any player. He talks. He's a pro. You know, good kicks, bad kicks, awful days, great days. He is standing there, and he will talk. This was the exception, and that's why it was really weird. It was him, lining for the bus. He wasn't rude, but he wasn't really stopping either. He wasn't um, in a conversational tone, and I understand he's he's really kicked off, and he takes this hard. Believe that um, because he feels like he's letting the team down. There's no other way to put it. He's always said, and you know, these years of of covering him, he's always said, look. As long as I feel like I'm helping the team, I can still my se- I can see myself still doing this. Doesn't matter how old I am, if I'm still helping the team, I'm in. And that's the problem right now. He's hurting the team, so I think that's what he has to wrestle with. Um, and I think he was frustrated yesterday, but it was a weird day, man. I mean, they, they they pull off this great win, this fantastic gritty win that spoke to a lot of players on that team. I mean, Quincy Wilson had a day. Danico Autry, Grover Stewart was great. Darius Leonard had a big sack late. Um, You know, Jacoby Brissett shook off some awful in-game mistakes to come back and throw an awesome touchdown to T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. was T.Y. Frank Reich was fantastic, calling plays late in the game as well. But the main story is is this kicker who can't figure out what's wrong and this team that's stuck in this position that's like, how do we cut the greatest player at his position of all time? But then again, how do we go on and continue – to risk losing these games, it's it's just a weird story. Yeah, I I don't envy them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't want, I would not want to be in their position this right now. This is part of the job. But yeah, yep.
0: yeah, yeah. When you sit in the big chair in the big office, this is
1: how it works. You know, this I mean, that's why you get the big bucks. Yeah. He, this team, this team has cut Peyton Manning. They cut Marvin Harrison. They said thank you. We're not going to resign you to Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney and jeff saturday they cut dallas clark i mean this this happens that whole era i mean it rarely ends well um and i'm not saying this doesn't i'm not saying adam doesn't get this fixed and and plays the rest of the season and has a good run but um these things are hard and and they're in the middle of another hard one right now
0: yeah no no doubt about it so there are other matters to talk about obviously Uh, i thought that uh, one thing, I was just going through the game just before we got on here and started recording, and one of the things that just continues to stand out to me was the way the Colts finished the game defensively. And yeah. we'll get to other matters as well, but but I think that particularly for me, uh, I really love what I saw there because there were some moments during the third quarter where I was like, okay, this thing is threatening to come apart. like not Not terribly, but I just felt like there was a big play from Tennessee just sort of waiting to happen there. Yeah, no, and I watched
1: the tape this morning, and and right at the end of the third quarter, Henry is pushing these runs. He's getting five, he's getting eight, he's getting 12, and you're like, he's going to bust one. The exact opposite happens, and the Colts deserve all the credit for that. He
0: gets – so after the third quarter, it's it's unbelievable what happens. So they come out, the start of the fourth quarter, they run it a couple more times. He gets six yards on his next three runs, and then the Titans kind of abandon it, and they realize, you know what, at that point they had to kind of they, – they got a couple three-and-outs, they had to score because the Colts had scored, and then they yep. basically made Henry a non-factor. So what you had happen was a situation where a couple of things happened. Kari Willis, by the way, Kari Willis had a couple of great – Tackles in that fourth quarter coming off the bench playing safety, played 30 snaps in the game. And Kari Willis, I think, is a guy they're really excited about the rookie safety from Michigan State. So keep an eye on him, he's a guy to watch. I think Justin Houston in the running game yesterday was fantastic, and it's not something we talk about a lot with Justin Houston. We know we talk about him as an edge rusher, we talk about him getting pressure on the quarterback. Well, Justin Houston was a force in the running game or the run defense yesterday. I think that is – they're bringing guys in with some toughness, and that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing this team show toughness we have not seen in a very long time. I mean, what what are your observations That's what there?
1: Sunday was all about. Literally, yeah. that's what it was out. I know it's a cliche and a, to just say it was a gritty win, but that's exactly what it was. And I can promise you that wins like that in week two on the road of a division game against a good team – Titans are good – will help you down the line because you're going to have games down the line where things go wrong in the second and third quarter. And you can go, you know what? This happened in Tennessee, and we still won. We stuck with it, and we still won. Um, and they, I mean, Frank Reich, man, I mean, fourth down, calls a timeout, sends his offense back out there, goes for it, um, tells his guys, I'm with you. I'm be- I believe in you. We're going to get this done. I didn't even think about the alternative. Um, that speaks to the entire swagger that he has infused in this franchise over the last 18 months um that that was a big i thought it was a big moment on sunday and i asked you know asked him about it after the game and he's like that's just how we roll this team has a cockiness and a confidence that they did not have before frank reich was here mm. and i think that helps them in games like that because you got to have that amnesia i mean jacoby Brissett, awful you know interception and then he has the fumble And then he's got these two, you know, false starts that are just bizarre. Like one of them was after a timeout, which a quarterback cannot make. I mean, these are things that could have led to this team getting beat by double digits yesterday. Instead, they found a way The defense stuck together. And like you said, I mean, the the biggest takeaway for me was how impressed I was with how this defense finished that game. Yeah,
0: and and that was one of the things that I think – was gonna be I think one of the telltales of this season, right? And just how how would this defense respond at times when the offense maybe
1: when you don't Twenty-eight points on offense. Yeah,
0: right? the, the Colts averaged twenty-one point. T- excuse me, twenty-seven point one points last season, and there were some games where uh, they scored. I mean, they poured it on. I mean, you're talking about you know the Buffalo game, thirty-eight points, I believe. I mean, they had games like that, and th- you know that's just not that not their M.O. this year. I mean, a, lo- a lot of that is because of the quarterback situation. There's no question. Look, you know, Jacoby Brissett's not going to give you four touchdowns every day, but at the same time, I, I think the defense embraces that challenge. They were ready for that and they were okay with it and and that's one thing that i continue to notice and if your defense can get you opportunities get you the ball back then even an offense that maybe isn't high octane it's if you give it enough opportunities and they execute and they continue to to stick with their game plan you're going to be able to give your team opportunities to win so that's what right. you're seeing now you're seeing complementary football and that's something you hear coaches talk about it's kind of cliche but it's a real thing right if, you're, if your defense does its job, then your offense gets more and more opportunities. So, again, two three and outs there in the fourth quarter. And the timing on that could not have been better. And I think one thing, you talk about that confidence, one thing I'm seeing is just guys continuing individually to step up. You know, I talked about Kari Willis. You talked about Quincy Wilson, Justin Houston, uh, Grover Stewart, a guy we never talk about. You know, yeah. a huge play in the fourth quietly quarter. Quietly
1: had a great camp. And
0: yes. Quietly is having a great season for him so far. Right. So that's what you have to have. You have to have a defense that can make the play when it needs to be made. And, you know, listen, they, they covered well in some man coverage. They mixed it up. Uh, they made things tough on Mariota. And I, I tell you what, they really are showing me some Something on defense, just that ability to stand tall and to rebound. Frankly, when they maybe have given up some plays and and maybe threatened to 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 see this game go the other way, those guys they, they you know listen and they, they buckled up and they, they buckled those chin straps and they played they played tough down the
1: stretch. Yeah. So and, and, and another you know another point flipping the sides in the in the red zone, the Colts were excellent yesterday. Now they were not great offensively by any means the entire day, but. Jacoby Brissett had a dime touchdown to Paris Campbell, which was its just a beautiful throw. That's yep. a touch throw. Maybe he doesn't make in 17 because he didn't have that touch. He has it now. The one to T.Y., the back shoulder was fantastic. Give T.Y. a lot of credit for that because he straight up won that matchup against Malcolm Butler. And the shovel pass to Eric Ebrock, I didn't see that coming. Great call by Frank Reich. But on days when you're not having a great day offensively and you're not able to run all over them like you were last week in L.A., if you can finish in the red zone and get seven instead of three, that that's why they won the game. I mean, they should have had 21 points, right? If they didn't have those missed field goals or those missed extra points. Um, really good stuff from Frank Reich yesterday. As as both a head coach and keeping his guys in the game and, and as a play caller on offense, I thought. I thought he was I thought he's been terrific, both Sunday and in LA. I mean, I just I just continue to be impressed by the head coach.
0: Yeah, and one thing I, I would add, let, let's just sort of shift to offense here. One thing that that Jacoby Brissett did uh, on a day when he was just kind of eh, you know, it, it wasn't his best, it wasn't his worst, but uh, I think yeah, you, you could obviously he could have been better, but the one thing that I loved that Jacoby Brissett did on Sunday is he converted in the red zone, and that is everything. Okay, they got in the red zone, I believe right. four times. Uh, I think was it was four times. But, I mean, I know they got the three touchdowns. And, and one, one thing you want in that situation is to just make good of your opportunities. Look, if you're not going to have 400 yards a game and move the ball up and down the field, well, you better be efficient. And that's one thing right. they did. make the
1: most of your chances. That's, that's the whole game. You know, that's the NFL. If you don't finish... You're lo- if you take field goals, you're losing. Period. Well, and and they would have yesterday. They would have lost yesterday. if They yesterday, took field goals.
0: And and this is because what they happened. They made them. <laughs> yeah, that's what. <laughs> no kidding. That's what happened with Jacoby Brissett under center in 2017. They were a team that yes. couldn't finish drives. Now there Good are point. a whole confluence of factors that went into that, and not blaming Jacoby. I'm just saying there that was one of their fundamental issues in 2017 when Jacoby Brissett started 15 games. The Colts could not finish drives, and therefore, they would be in games, but they couldn't finish any of them. They would end up winning four games. I mean, you are what you are. But we're seeing a team right now that is finding ways to finish drives. I mean, they did it at a decent rate last week. I mean, they had some issues and, and missed some opportunities, but certainly this week they did a really good job of that. And I just think that, Jacoby and his efficiency. This is where it really shows up because look, he's not a guy who's going to take a ton of chances necessarily, and he's not a guy who's going to be always dynamic. But when you scheme up the right play and you give him, uh, you give him an opportunity, and it's there, he can execute it and he can get it done, and he's been efficient. He's he's completing seventy percent of his passes right now. A lot of that's because of the play calling, but. All you can do is is ask is do what the coach asks you to do. he's doing that right now. Uh, I think his confidence is growing too with through doing that, and what do you see from Jacoby in that regard in terms of how his confidence is either building is it you know do you see it building yeah. what what do you see there
1: for one he's he's been relaxed and he's been mm-hmm. He's given this aura of, like, I'm good with this. Like, yeah, this is a big stage, and yeah, a lot was just thrust on my shoulders a month ago. I'm okay with this. I'm ready for this. Um, He's had that every day since Andrew Luck retired. That's been really impressive. He hasn't changed. He didn't become something he wasn't. He didn't start to try to act like he was the guy. He just just was Jacoby, and that's a good sign, right? Just be the same guy every day. That's hard to do in this league. Yesterday was really good for him because he made a lot of mistakes that young quarterbacks are going to make. And he still found out that his team had his back and he could still win this game because those are some big-time throws he made in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, that fourth down snap, you know, what if he fumbles a snap? What if things go wrong? The game's on you. It's not on the coach. I mean, it's on you. And Jacoby Brissett has impressed me every single day since he became quarterback number one for this team. And, and, And I think the team around him you know, in the early days, they were saying, like, look, this guy's going to shock the world. He's he's, he's going to show all you guys that he should be a starter. And at that point, you just didn't know, right? I mean, that's just what teammates say, right? Right. We're starting to see that now. And you look at this, like, look, New Orleans Saints, they're going to find out what life is like without Drew Brees. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to find out what hmm. life is like without Ben Roethlisberger. I'm just guessing. But I'm telling you, they're not going to be as well-equipped to handle this as the Indianapolis Colts are without Andrew Luck. I mean, it's just... This, this team has been ridiculous in how well this is they've handled this Andrew Luck situation and just sort of moved on and, and given everything to Jacoby. Um, it, it's impressive, and he's going to get better. He's going to get better. This team needs to get home. They need to have a home game. It seems like it's been forever. Um, and, I mean, I don't want to look ahead, but if they can get two Ws to finish out the month of September at home, these are two winnable games against the Atlanta Falcons and the Oakland Raiders. Three and one in the month of September with a tough slate that would speak a lot to how this team handled the storm that was Andrew Luck's retirement and it would speak a lot to the guy that was thrust in the middle of it, and that's Jacoby Brissett.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to something that Anthony Costanzo, starting left tackle, told me in the locker room on yesterday. He said, "He said, look, you know what? Um, and I brought up the Andrew Luck situation. He didn't. He kind of rolled his eyes <laughs> like in a joking <laughs> way. Look, they're tired of talking about it. But um, I said, I don't want to make it all about Andrew Luck. He says, yeah, but you will. And <laughs> he knows <laughs> me so well. And so uh, he said, you know what, though? He said, and this is Andrew's best friend on the team. By far, you know, they vacation together. I mean, these guys are really close. And he said, you know what? Uh, I don't think he said, I would love to see how another team would handle what we've been through. He says, I don't know if there's another team that could handle it as well as we have when you're a franchise quarterback retiring two weeks before the season. He says, I would love to see another team go through this. That's
1: a really good point. Because I guarantee you a lot of teams would not have handled it this well.
0: I couldn't agree with him more. I mean, he's on the money there. And he said, you know, he says, I think that Andrew knew that we could handle it. I'm not suggesting, you know, he wasn't suggesting that – You know that played a role in this decision, but I mean, he kind of maybe he was. I don't know. He he said. I think he felt like Andrew felt empowered to do it because he thought the team would be okay. And I don't know if he would have felt differently. Would he have not retired? I don't know. But that's but that's I can only tell you what. Anthony Costanzo, who's a close friend of his, what he said. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, But I wanted to add one thing on Jacoby. I think now, okay, we see him, we see what he's doing well. Now it comes time for what? What's the next step? And I think there are some steps for him that that need to kind of play out. And so the growth now needs to come in. Uh, He needs to he needs to be a little more mindful of hanging on to that ball. He's hanging on to the ball yeah. a little too long in some instances. And, and some of that is him not wanting to create the turnover, right? He, he doesn't want to throw into too tight of a window. He doesn't want to take risky throws. Uh, there's going to be times when he's going to have to do that. This is something he did two years ago as well, uh, but he gave, we gave him a pass then. Now he's going to have to evolve a little more. He's going to have to do that. that it's
1: something his predecessor struggled with. I mean, Andrew Luck held onto the ball too long sometimes, yeah, too. Right. But Andrew Luck was also very, very aggressive when he did get rid of the ball, and that's what made him a dynamic player. And he did throw a lot of interceptions as well at times. Um, Jacoby doesn't like to do that, but I think you're right. You need, to, you need to up the aggression factor a little bit. You need to get rid of that ball. You need to trust your guys to win. I want to see Eric Ebron more involved in the offense. I know he had a touchdown yesterday. He had another catch early, but throw the ball to 85. He's a mismatch every time he's down the field. They fed T.Y. Hilton, and like we talked about last night, T.Y. is really the only guy who's really getting his in a huge way this year. I mean, Jack Doyle's got, like, five catches, um, and and you've seen nothing from Oali Cox. Devin Funches is hurt. Deion Cain had the huge pass interference, you know, drawn yesterday. That was a great deep shot they tried, and I talked to Deion after the, he's like, oh, I had five yards, and I was going to get a touchdown. And then they absolutely mauled him. And you saw the nice touchdown to Paris Campbell. But um, I would like to see Jacoby let loose a little bit, take some more shots, be more aggressive, uh, because we know the head coach wants him to do that because the head coach is the most aggressive guy we've ever seen call a football game.
0: Yeah, I, I actually I think Frank Reich has, has got to play a role in this too. I mean, I thought when they dialed up that, that deep shot to – Deion Kane I mean that was just beautiful I thought they they came off a huge third down so Eric Ebron hurdles the defender he gets the third down he gets half more yard than he needs gets the first down it was third and 13
1: the defense is just devastated that they didn't get off the field take a shot I love it
0: yeah so that's the perfect scenario and I think there's they got to look for more of those opportunities uh one thing that they have been able to do in, in recent years with Andrew Luck is hit some of those deep shots. And it wasn't always T.Y. Hilton, but you know more often than not. But we saw it with Eric Ebron in some cases last year. And, and a deep shot doesn't have to be 50 yards. I mean, it can be a 25 yard deep out. You know, it, it can be other, there are other, I guess, medium shots and, and longer shots. I mean, there's, right. it doesn't right. have to be, we're not talking about 40, 45 yard plays all the time. Yeah, it doesn't
1: have to be the, the Andrew Luck deep shot T.Y. Hilton that we got so used to over the years, right? Yeah. Then more to that, yeah. Doesn't have
0: to be the skinny post, the ty. You can do it in other ways. I think the idea though is to is to give the defense something to think about. First of all, you know, give them uh, they got to be looking for that ball going over their head once in a while because otherwise you're going to make it tough. They're they're going to make it tough on you. So I think it's a, as the season progresses, if they continue playing the short game, defenses are going to react to that, and they're going to have to be able to beat defense. Offenses, uh, with deeper throws, so it's not something we can gloss over. And I think they're smart enough to understand that and know that, but they got to do something about it. I think they're good right now, but but they're gonna they're gonna continue to see quality opponents, and you're gonna have to be able to to, to address that. But that's the one thing that that's one of several things. I think the other thing for Jacoby Brissett is. Uh, just, just the, the decision making when it comes to uh, running the ball, right? So he he did a really good job with this. I thought yesterday. Look, he's not fast. We will never accuse him of being fast. No. Uh, no. He's painfully slow. Okay. However, he is Shit. a very
1: good athlete. <laughs> it's so weird, right? I don't know how this all works. I don't understand you're right it about both points. Like, I don't. He's not fast at all. <laughs> it sounds all. stupid. Like Andrew Luck was <laughs> unbelievably more athletic than Jacoby Brissett. But Jacoby's like this awesome basketball player, and. Mm-hmm. Go figure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see the the balance and the body control, right? As a the basketball in him, I can and see he
1: eluded a lot of. Yeah, he eluded the yeah. rush extraordinarily well yesterday. Yeah,
0: and he, and and he's also very tough and strong. So I mean, you got to get your hands on him to bring him down. There were a couple of defenders who he left very frustrated yesterday because they thought they thought they had a sack, and lo and behold, he gets out of it. I mean, so he's going to frustrate a lot of defenders, but. When there's an instance like that, sometimes, look, he can take the four or five yards and just run out of bounds or slide. And and I think he should look for some opportunities to do that when the play breaks down. If he doesn't want to make the risky throw, then just do that. I mean, because he has proven – that he can stay away from taking the big hit and, and yeah. protect himself. And I think if he can do that, then uh, th- then those opportunities are going to be there for him. So, I-, I think he should just continue to do what he did yesterday. That was, I thought, very skillful. And I thought it was very productive for them. And it, it worked out well. So, I, I think that's... That's going to be a weapon of his, his ability to escape, and then it just depends on, you know, <laughs> how much he, how much giddy-up he can get <laughs> when he gets out of the pocket. <laughs> it's not going to be much, but, you know, they'll take the three or four yards because it, at least it's positive yardage, which is what they're looking for. So, I like yeah. it. Uh, the running game, yeah. what'd you think there? Not a ton of yards, but... Uh they were very consistent with it and very, very stubborn about it. And, and
1: ultimately, they bro- they popped a big one that really helped them win the game. That was the game-winning play. I know there were a lot of game-winning plays, but um, I love it when they're stubborn. That's just my take. People out there might disagree. They might think it's a throwback way of thinking. I love it when the Colts are stubborn with the run game. I know that they're going to continue to be because Frank Reich is all in on this. Um, and I love that they stuck with it yesterday. And I also love that they've, they mixed it up a little bit. This wasn't just Naheem Hines, and it wasn't just the workhorse Marlon Mack. They gave a lot to, to, to Jordan Wilkins yesterday. And that run that he popped for that 55-yard gain that set up the winning touchdown at T.Y. Hilton, if you watch that play, it is fantastic seal blocking. Jack Doyle deserves a lot of credit. Uh, Braden Smith sealed off the right side. And the main guy was Mark Linsky and, and Ryan Kelly had a second level block. That was key. I mean, that was beautiful run blocking. We talked a lot about, you know, Googe the offensive line coach last year, getting fired after the season. Could they keep that momentum going? Not just in the pass protection department, but in this run game that they want to improve. And man, the run game has been absolutely vital to their first two games so far this season. And there are a couple missed kicks away from being 2-0. Um, they stuck with it and they felt, you know, I talked to a couple players in the locker room Sunday and they said, look, we just knew we just had to get one. And it, of all the people, it was Jordan Wilkins that popped it. And that's the one um, big chunk play that happened yesterday. I mean, besides the Deion Kane penalty for the most part, this was a, this was a war down there. And I want to give Tennessee a lot of credit because I don't think the Colts had as much success in the run game Not because the Colts aren't good at it. But cause, Cause Tennessee's really good. They're really disciplined. And Vrabel's done a good job getting everything he can out of that roster. I think it's the quarterback that's holding them back, not the roster. Um, give the Colts a lot of credit, though. That's that's something they might have gone to the pass a little bit too quickly last year, especially early in the season. You stick with the run, it paid off, um, and they're just going to keep doing that. That's not going to change. So um, they're going to they're going to keep running the damn ball, as Quentin Nelson's hat likes to say. And this
0: actually ties back into the previous topic we talked about with the getting some of those chunk plays, the play action comes off of the consistent running game. And I think right now they're showing that they can, they can, they have a commitment to it They we know they have a commitment to it. We know that they're going to, to continue to try to get those yards and the defenses know that too. So they're going to continue to to respond to that and to act accordingly. And that's where the, uh, play-action opportunities come from. So uh, you mentioned something that I, I want to touch on. You mentioned Marcus Mariota. You said the quarterback's holding them back, Tennessee. And I think, you know, obviously they played Tennessee. Uh, they're part of the AFC South. It's a very relevant topic. Uh, what are your thoughts on Marcus Mariota? And, I mean, I, we've seen a lot of him now. And I, I just, I think, I think it's just time for some brutal
1: honesty. What are your thoughts? Look, I mean, I tweeted before the game that Marcus Mariota does not scare me if I'm the Colts. And I got a lot of crap from Titans fans, and I get it. He's a great guy. He's your franchise quarterback. He doesn't scare me. He does not scare me. Andrew Luck went 11 0 against the Titans. Mariota is not a downfield threat. He is a dink and dunk guy from everything that I've seen. And Frank Reich. Knew this because when he took that first down, that fourth down game late in the fourth quarter, they didn't even they didn't even push the the aggression on the next you know a couple of plays. They ran three times, they kicked it, but the key was they took a minute away from Marcus Mariota, so they only had you know fifty seconds to go. They had to drive quite a ways down the field. Drew Brees does that, time Brady does this. All the elites can do that. Marcus Mariota was never going to do that. There is no vertical passing threat. It's all dink and dunk. Um, And I think Frank Reich knew that. And I think he believed in his defense as well. Um, If you're the Titans and Andrew Luck retires just before the season and you can't beat the Colts on your home field in week two after pounding the Cleveland Browns, Super Bowl contenders, remember, in week one, what does that that say about the ceiling of the Tennessee Titans this year? Now, I still think they're a really good team and they're going to have some good wins this year because they're well coached and they're a pain in the butt on defense. But, I think the quarterback's going to hold him back in a way that maybe the Houston Texans will not be held back because their quarterback is dynamic and he's going to win them some games. So, I mean, you saw Frank Reich in the locker room yesterday. I mean, he he wasn't just pumped about the win. He made this clear to his players. He said, this is a division road win, and those are even sweeter. So when the Colts go down there in week two and win on a day, the Titans probably should have had them. I think the Titans need to be start. They need to start asking some questions about the future of Marcus Mariota because this is his contract year, and there's a reason they haven't extended him. and And there's games like this that are going to linger in the mind of their GM John Robinson because. I'm not sure he's the long-term solution for them. And it's unfortunate. This is a back-to-back
0: high draft situation with quarterbacks there. They've tried to find franchise quarterbacks. I mean, they went through this with Jake Locker a while back, right? And that didn't pan out. I mean, remember him? Uh, I think he was the 10th overall pick. And here's Marcus Mariota, who was, I believe, number three overall. He was number two. Number two. He was number two That's right. So, you know, this is a situation where – you know, you've got a lot of resources invested. Look, I am not, I'm not having this conversation oblivious to the fact that the Colts have their own quarterback question. Look, I mean, Jacoby Brissett right. is not a finished product, but but at the same time, they got him for a third round pick or not even they got him they actually got he was a third round pick and they they traded a player for him who they were going to cut anyway I mean they have nothing invested in him in terms of in terms of compensation that they gave away for him Uh, certainly they're paying him decent money this year but they're not nearly as invested as the Titans have been in Mariota and so (laughs) look it's And they also have resources to go get a quarterback if they so choose. I mean, they have plenty of money and, you know, they'll have to see what they can do with their draft picks if they wanted to package something. I mean, they have options. Uh, Not that it's easy to find one, but they also are in the very first or very beginning stages of this process. The Titans, however, are well into this with Mariota, and now here they are, and they're at a crossroads, or he's at a crossroads, and therefore the franchise is as well. So I think it's a very interesting thing that the quarterback situations. In the AFC South, very compelling situations going on there for different reasons, right? Uh, for good and bad reasons. Jacksonville's trying to right. figure out where, how to pick up the pieces, right? With yeah. Nick and Foles and, and
1: Ramsey once out.
0: Uh, yeah, Jacksonville's got issues. Uh, and it's a shame because they have some talent down there, but uh, sometimes it's not all about talent. It just isn't. It's about more than talent. Just put it that way. Right. So... Anyway, covered a lot of ground here today. We'll be back later in the week. we got plenty to talk about uh, going into the Atlanta game. And we'll hear from from Adam Vinatieri this week as well. So, I I think there's a lot to still tackle this week. We've got injuries to talk about. So, Darius Leonard's in the concussion protocol. Uh, Pierre Desir has a knee injury. Could miss some time. So, lots of little... Uh, little undercurrents and sort of subplots going on heading into the game with the Atlanta Falcons. Finally, a home opener. We've been on the road for two weeks. Right. I'm exhausted. Right. So I'm uh, ready
1: for a Saturday at home. Right.
0: Yeah, that means more golf, obviously. So that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> I, mean, I got a, I got a baby shower to go to, so it's like the opposite of golf.
0: Yeah, that really is. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, so that's the story from here, man. I, I think they're going to be interesting. I said this all along, and. Zach can vouch for me. We always – I always said, I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't know how this is going to go. But they're going to be interesting.
1: And damn right. it, they're interesting. They're- I mean, the last two games, we have not had a lack of storylines to cover between myself and you and Bob Kravitz after the game. And there's so much to write about. And and I think they're going to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to be the Super Bowl team in the end. But I think this is a well-coached team. This is a good roster and i'll be honest they showed me a lot yesterday i was impressed yeah so
0: they will uh they will not be boring that is for sure uh So I guess we'll wrap this up here. Uh, Hopefully you got something out of this. Like I said, we'll be back later in the week with the subscriber-only podcast. Uh, We sort of look ahead on those later in the week, Thursday, Friday. And I hope you've enjoyed those as well on the Athletic app. Uh, This one, obviously, you can access other places wherever you listen to your podcast. So I am Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Hope you're checking out the Athletic and all the great coverage there. Again, Stephen Holder for Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. This is 1% Better. Hey there, listeners. It's Stephen Holder from 1% Better. We're excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode.
1: You can follow sports through sound bites or a full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines.
0: What do you want to accomplish
1: this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first.
0: This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter.
1: Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. That's the buzzer. Oh, he
0: knocks it down. Stories about
1: hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the
0: first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. It's a game!
1: From the athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator,
0: I'm Kavitha Davidson.
1: And I'm Anders Kelto, introducing the lead. Faster, faster. go beyond the box score five days a week this isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home it stays with you are you kidding me i've never seen anything like that the lead premieres september 16th on apple podcasts
0: or wherever you're listening right now oh, what
1: a that. the lead sports up close hey hey i need some more of that